Initially presented as a superficial character who only cares about her physical appearance and her shiny new engagement ring, Sheila is later revealed to be one of the few members of the Burling family who feels empathy and sympathy for Eva Smith and regrets her role in her downfall. So, why does Sheila Burling undergo such a huge transformation from vacuous and one-dimensional to a staunch critic of her family's societal impact? And what does her characterisation reveal about femininity, personal relationships and the role of the younger generation within the text? In this episode of the Wade Deakin English Department and Expected Calls podcast, these are some of the questions we are going to consider. In the opening moment of the play, Sheila is introduced in the stage directions as a pretty girl in her early 20s, very pleased with life and rather excited. Already, this description reveals a lot about her characterisation. The initial comment focuses on her appearance, demonstrating she is a somewhat superficial character, lacking in depth. Similarly, she is described only as pleased and excited, suggesting she has blind optimism, not only about her engagement, but about her family's position, both of which are later revealed to be built on manipulation and deceit. In the first line that she speaks, she is warning Gerald not to drink too much, and the stage directions indicate she speaks possessively. This demonstrates that she feels some need to control Gerald's actions, and perhaps hints she is aware that he is easily tempted, by both drinking and other women. This reveals tension within their relationship early on in the play, which is further highlighted when Gerald says, I insist upon being one of the family now. I've been trying long enough, haven't I? As she does not reply with more insistence, haven't I? You know I have. He's almost begging Sheila to validate their relationship in front of her parents. And she does so, but with the caveat, yes, except for all last summer when you never came near me and I wondered what had happened to you. From this statement, it's evident there has been a bump in the road for the couple and that, although Sheila is pretending to tease and joke with Gerald, the underlying seriousness of her tone implies she is still hurt by Gerald's treatment of her. This immediately reveals more depth to Sheila's character. Beneath the pretty, pleased, happy exterior is somebody who has a lot of unanswered questions about the man who is supposed to love her. As the dinner continues, Sheila's childish nature is revealed. She accuses Eric of being squiffy, meaning drunk, and calls him an ass, not the typical behaviour of a young woman at a sophisticated engagement party. She also refers to her parents as mummy and daddy. It's clear that despite her and Eric both being described as being in their early 20s, Sheila is very much infantilised, which means treated like a small child, by her family, and that she lives up to that role. Even as Gerald presents her with an engagement ring, she almost immediately turns and says, Look, mummy, isn't it a beauty? This shows the audience that her happiness alone is not enough. She is desperate for her mother's approval, in the same way a small child might be discovering a new toy. It is important to note that while Mr Burling's famous Bees in a Hive speech takes place, both Sheila and her mother are absent. The dinner party is split, as was common in those days, into the men and the women. Typically, the men would smoke cigars, drink port and discuss important matters of politics, finance and business. The women would sit in a different room, neither drinking nor smoking, and talk about more trivial topics. In this case, Eric reveals, I left them talking about clothes again. Women are potty about them. This demonstrates that the men view the women in the family as being simple creatures, 
content to discuss fashion and unable to contribute to more serious discussions. This division means that Sheila and Mrs Burling entirely miss the arrival of Inspector Gould, revealing how the exclusion of women can mean they fall to the wayside, becoming secondary characters in their own lives. Finally, however, Sheila does walk into the next room and encounter the inspector. This meeting is particularly significant because we note that the inspector is the only character on stage who really addresses Sheila like an adult. Her father is immediately keen to dismiss her, like a child getting in the way of things, saying, nothing to do with you, Sheila, run along. However, the inspector contradicts him, telling Sheila, no, wait a minute, Miss Burling. He goes on to say, I'm a police inspector, Miss Burling, and this afternoon a young woman drank some disinfectant and died after several hours of agony tonight in the infirmary. His formal tone and use of emotive language such as agony demonstrates he's prepared to take Sheila seriously and address her as he would any of the other characters, rather than writing her off as a silly little girl. It is almost as though this mature mode of address gives Sheila an immediate boost and allows her to speak out to her parents. Did you, Dad? she asks, when the inspector mentions Mr Burling firing Eva. Not only is she asking her father a direct, difficult question, she's also no longer addressing him as Daddy. Being spoken to like an adult by the inspector has elevated her out of her childish, infantile role. However, this doesn't last long, as she soon returns to her superficial, selfish ways. She says, Oh, I've been so happy tonight, I wish you hadn't told me somehow managing to make Eva's death all about her. She also asked the inspector pointless questions about Eva, like whether she was young and pretty, as though those factors have any significance on how tragic somebody's death is. Although she are starting to see more independence and assertion from Sheila as she tells her father, I think it was a mean thing to do, perhaps that spoilt everything for her. And, these girls aren't cheap labour, they're people. She still has some way to go. Sheila's real transformation comes as she learns about her own role in the demise of Eva Smith. Inspector Gould mentions that Eva got a new job at Millwood's and that she lost this job when a customer complained about her. Once the inspector shows Sheila the photograph, all the pieces slot together and the stage directions note that she looks at it closely, recognises it with a little cry, gives a half-stifled sob and then runs out. She soon returns to speak to the inspector, but not with the aggressive or defensive tone her parents have previously taken. Rather, she is apologetic, remorseful and wracked with guilt, saying, I felt rotten about it at the time and now I feel a lot worse, and it was my own fault. She admits that she was jealous of Eva and lashed out because she felt self-conscious in the dress she had tried on in the store. This reveals a vulnerable side to Sheila, Although she's described as pretty in the stage directions, she clearly lacks confidence and is not entirely happy in herself. By the time this portion of the inspector's investigation comes to an end, Sheila is desperate to undo the harm she has done, saying, If I could help her now, I would, and it's the only time I've ever done anything like that, and I'll never, never do it again to anybody. But of course, it is too late. The investigation moves on. And now we begin to see another side to Sheila. When Evie's new name, Daisy Renton, is mentioned by the inspector, it is Sheila who immediately notices and becomes suspicious of Gerald's reaction, with the stage directions noting, Sheila merely nods, still staring at him. The moment they are alone, Sheila confronts Gerald, 
saying, well, Gerald, demonstrating her newfound confidence and her perceptive abilities. Not only has she picked up on his reaction to the photograph, which nobody else seemed to, but she's been proved right in the hunch she had all along about Gerald's behaviour last summer. This conveys to the audience that Sheila is not a naive and easily led little girl, but a grown woman with initiative and instincts. Act one ends with Sheila forcing Gerald to confess his affair with Eva Smith. He begs her not to tell the inspector, but she informs him, Why, you fool? He knows. Of course he knows. And I hate to think how much he knows that we don't know yet. You'll see. You'll see. Here we see Sheila as an increasingly powerful character, who evidently understands the role of the inspector in far more depth than the other family members. Rather than the snivelling, crying girl we saw at the beginning of the investigation, the stage directions indicates she looks at him almost in triumph. She may have lost trust in her relationship, but she has won faith in her own instincts and sense of self. Over the course of Act 2, we witness Sheila becoming an increasingly powerful character. She laughs hysterically as Gerald is found out by the inspector, just as she predicted he would be. When Gerald tries to suggest she is removed from the room while the investigation continues, she refuses, telling the inspector firmly, I'm staying. The inspector asks her if she's getting hysterical, and she simply replies, probably. She dismisses her own emotions, because she now understands they are not the focus of the evening. Unlike in Act 1, when she lambasted the inspector for bringing her bad news on a happy evening, she is now secure in the knowledge that it is the fate of Eva Smith, not her own emotional reaction, which is the most significant. When Gerald tries to tell her she only wants to stay to watch him suffer as she did, she says, If you'd really loved me, you couldn't have said that. He tries to apologise, but she brushes it off, saying, You don't believe me, and this is just the wrong time not to believe me. What was once the most important thing in the world to her, her marriage to Gerald, now shrinks into insignificance as she begins to understand her social responsibility within the world. Again, Sheila demonstrates her strong instincts when she warns her mother against attacking the inspector, telling her, I feel you're beginning all wrong. Sheila understands the inspector's power far more deeply than the other characters do at this stage. This leads Mrs Burling to tell the inspector You seem to have made a great impression on this child. Again, she's referring to Sheila as a child, but she's an engaged woman in her early 20s, so we see the way that she's infantilised by the people around her. The inspector replies, We often do on the young ones. They're more impressionable. Here, we see Priestley utilising the character of Sheila to make a point about the generational gap. Younger characters, such as Sheila and Eric, are more impressionable, meaning they can change their attitudes based on the information they're presented with. Older characters, or those more linked to the past and tradition, such as Mr Burling, Mrs Burling and Gerald, who's from a family of old money, are more set in their ways and less likely to change. This links to Priestley's distrust of existing systems and his hope that future generations will be the driving force behind creating a more equal and cooperative society. Unlike Mrs Burling, who thinks that Sheila's impressionable personality is a result of her immaturity and naivety, the inspector is praising it, saying the younger generation are more open to new ideas. We see this generational gap widen as Sheila continues to assert herself against her parents. When Mrs Burling begins a sentence, girls of that class, 
Sheila immediately cuts her off, warning her not to make statements like that. She goes on to say, you mustn't try to build up a kind of wall between us and that girl. If you do, then the inspector will just break it down and it'll be all the worse when he does. This demonstrates that Sheila truly understands the inspector's view that society should not be divided by class and that people should work cooperatively and help each other. Sheila continues to undermine her mother, even laughing at her and telling her impertinent is such a silly word, conveying a clear rejection of her mother's traditional old-fashioned values. She also insists on her mother accepting the truth about Eric's drinking problem, saying, but we really must stop these silly pretenses. This isn't the time to pretend that Eric isn't used to drink. He's been steadily drinking too much for the last two years. It doesn't appear that Sheila wants to humiliate Eric or get him into trouble, but simply that she wants her mother to start having a clear and realistic view of the world around her, rather than living in a world of pretense and putting on a good show. When the inspector finally begins to investigate the role of Gerald, Sheila appears almost amused at his responses. When he talks of meeting Eva, or Daisy, in the Palace Music Hall, Sheila scoffs. Well, we didn't think you meant Buckingham Palace. She also mockingly calls Gerald the hero of the story, says he must have felt like a wonderful fairy prince, and tells him she bets it was nice for him that Eva, or Daisy, didn't put up a fuss when he ended the affair. Her sarcastic, derisory comments suggest she is either disgusted in Gerald's behaviour or so hurt that she is covering up her pain with aggression. Most likely, both. Once the investigation of Gerald concludes, Sheila hands him back his engagement ring. This clearly shows the audience she is no longer reliant on his affection to prop up her self-esteem and that she will not put up with mistreatment. However, she reveals further depth to her character when she tells Gerald... I don't dislike you as I did half an hour ago, Gerald. In fact, in some way, I rather respect you more than I've ever done before. Also saying, I believe what you told us about the way you helped her at first, just out of pity, and it was my fault really that she was so desperate when you first met her. This shows Sheila's increasing humility and ability to remove herself from the centre of the narrative and focus on what is important. She's grown significantly as a person and recognises there is much more at stake than her own emotions or interpersonal relationships. When the revelation of Mrs Burling's involvement in Eva Smith's downfall is brought to light, Sheila is clearly horrified. She tells her mother, I think it was cruel and vile. However, on the whole, she speaks very little during Mrs Burling's exchange with the inspector. Rather, she is watching and listening, taking in the details and understanding the series of events. Once again, her intuition is proved to be strong. She is the first person to work out that Eric was the father of Eva's unborn baby. She tries desperately to get her mother to stop condemning the role the father played, shouting, Mother, stop, stop. But she is brushed off like an infant again, with Mrs Burling saying, You're behaving like a hysterical child tonight. Act two ends with Mrs Burling finally realising that Sheila was right and that she has now essentially given her blessing for Eric to receive the harshest possible punishment. Sheila tells her, in a foreboding moment, Mother, I begged you and begged you to stop. In Act 3, Sheila's role develops further. She pieces together details from the separate stories told by the other characters, almost acting as the inspector's assistant by providing relevant information. 
Once the inspector has given his final speech and left the family alone, the room is very much divided. On the one side, Mr Burling, Mrs Burling and Gerald are defensive of the family's actions and desperate to prove that some element of the evening has been a hoax or a trick and they can return to their lives as normal. On the other side, Eric and Sheila are aware of the cruelty and thoughtlessness of their respective actions and eager to learn from the horrific consequences. Sheila even takes on a disciplinary role when talking to her parents, saying, the point is you don't seem to have learnt anything, and it's you two who are being childish. The reverse of the typical parent-telling-off-child scenario. Again, it is Sheila who first notices something which has been left unsaid, asking, was he really a police inspector? Although she's quick to note that this doesn't really matter, because, as she says, if all that's come out tonight is true then it doesn't matter who it was who made us confess. And it was true, wasn't it? You turned the girl out of one job, and I had her turned out of another. Gerald kept her at a time when he was supposed to be too busy to see me. Eric, well, we all know what Eric did. And Mother hardened her heart and gave her the final push that finished her. That's what's important, and not whether a man is a police inspector or not. In the absence of the inspector, Sheila almost steps up to his role, reminding the family of their guilt and their social responsibility. Sheila continues to serve this role throughout the final moments of Act 3, saying to the others, but that won't bring Eva Smith back to life, will it? She reminds us of Eva's full name in the final moments of the play, humanising the character and encouraging the audience to remember her significance. Even when the family ring the infirmary and discover that no suicide has been reported, Sheila is unrelenting in this view, saying, Everything we said had happened really had happened. If it didn't end tragically, then that's lucky for us, but it might have done. The connection between the inspector and Sheila becomes even more clear when she tells her parents, I remember what he said, how he looked, and what he made me feel. Fire and blood and anguish, and it frightens me the way you talk, and I can't listen to any more of it. By repeating the inspector's own warning of fire and blood and anguish, and telling her parents their attitudes frighten her, it is deeply evident that Sheila has entirely distanced herself from her parents' beliefs of selfish and unfeeling capitalism, and has embraced the inspector's belief of a society of care and equality. Far from being, as her father says, a member of the famous younger generation who know it all, Sheila is quite the opposite. She is a member of the generation humble and open-minded enough to accept that they do not know it all at all, and that the startling revelations of one evening can completely transform your understanding of the world and your place in it. And of course, when the telephone rings one final time, she is proved right. <laughs>